0: Week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning Memphis. If you have just changed the dial and are just now joining us, you are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis here on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM and this is Anna Thompson, otherwise known as AT around these parts. I am flying solo today for the first time in quite a while, so bear with me, dear listener, um, as I get my sea legs back. This Tuesday, we have something a little bit outside of our normal framework, um, but we are excited to switch things up, you know? Because you know what they say, variety is the spice of life. So today we'll be chatting with Omer Youssef, the business reporter at the Commercial Appeal, as well as Samuel Hardiman, the city hall and politics reporter at the Commercial Appeal, about all things Ford Motor Company's Blue Oval City, right here in West Tennessee. Now, before we dig into things, it is very important to note that both of these reporters have covered this topic in great detail over at the Commercial Appeal site, They've been tracking and covering all of the specifics for months since this was announced in September of 2021. And for Omer, he has actually even been covering it before when he worked at the Jackson Sun. So that is very, very exciting. So if you want to familiarize yourself um, with the topic at hand, which is, again, Ford's Blue Oval City, that is an excellent place to start over at the Commercial Appeal. Now, as far as our conversation today goes... I'm excited to get to talk to Sam and Omer about what that means for all things here in West Tennessee, whether that's education, transportation, jobs, um, everything from the housing market to the kind of vehicles we're going to be driving, and really and truly just get into the nitty-gritty of what journalism these days looks like, which is another exciting thing for me as a journalism and mass communications major from Sanford University, so shout out to the Bulldogs of Birmingham, Alabama. So... Without further ado, and with all of the information that I have just given you, let's get to chatting on the record, shall we? Let's go. Welcome, welcome, Sam and Omer. Can y'all start off by introducing yourself so that the lovely listener can associate a voice with a name here?
1: Hi, I'm Omer Youssef.
2: I'm a business reporter at the Commercial Appeal.
0: Okay, awesome.
1: I'm Sam Hardiman. I am a city hall reporter for the Commercial Appeal.
0: Okay, yay. Well, thank you very much. We are so excited to have y'all here today. Um, Can you start off and tell me a little bit about yourselves? Like, native Memphian, not native Memphian, what brought you to Memphis, if you're not?
2: So, it's, um, I guess you could say I'm pretty much a native at this point. I moved down here with my family when I was 10. I was born in Minneapolis. Okay. So, lived there until I was about 10 and moved down to the Memphis area and, um, I've pretty much been here um, ever since, except for an 18-month stint in Jackson, Tennessee. So uh-huh. I graduated uh, from the University of Memphis uh, with a journalism degree. And um, afterwards, okay. uh, went to take a job in Jackson, uh, Tennessee at the Jackson Sun. Ooh. I was there. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. apart from that, I've been here since I was 10. I'm 27 now. Memphis so through and through. Memphis
0: okay. through and through. I like it. Sam?
1: Uh, I grew up in uh, the small state of Rhode Island, that is a state, uh, for those uh, listening at home who are uncertain, and I uh, went to the University of Missouri, Okay. um, studied journalism there, and then since then I've been sort of bouncing around um, south of the Mason-Dixon line, first in Charlotte, then in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I've been here in Memphis, Tennessee, um, putting down some roots for the past four years.
0: Okay, so a chosen Memphian. I like it. Um, Okay, so... What makes Memphis unique from a journalism perspective?
1: It's a town full of great stories. I think that, um, not to sugarcoat it, but there are a lot of problems in Memphis. There are a lot of um, uniquely American problems. I don't think that they are maybe necessarily unique to Memphis, but they are American in microcosm. And I think that itself brings out great characters and it brings out um, a striving and a hope. I think a look for, you know, the American dream that I think is really present in Memphis, and I think people are really trying to aspire to that. So I think that is what makes Memphis unique.
0: I love it.
2: I just think there are so many um, great stories out there, whether it's um, business or city hall or food or culture there's just so many things that make this city special and what Sam says well there are also problems that we're hoping to obviously address to the city on a day-to-day basis so when you put that all together just there's just so much opportunity for reporters here and it's all it's, I'm just grateful to be able to call myself a reporter here
0: I like it I love um, how you said opportunities that's what we always say about the challenges that our city has we're like we have opportunities we have potential we don't have problems we have opportunities promise yes promise I like it so Y'all both majored in journalism. Y'all have journalism degrees. So, as someone who also has a journalism degree, I was uh, tried to uh, people tried to dissuade me from having a journalism degree. Um, So, what what sparked that passion for each of you? Why journalism and why print journalism too?
2: So, uh, for me, it's a little bit um, unique. Um, So, I had um, it was I was a senior in high school. Didn't really know what I was going to major in. And uh, I'm a big sports fan.
0: Okay. So
2: I was like, let me go ahead and try journalism, even though never really strived for any, like, English and reading class. Like, that was never really my thing. I was more of a math guy. So, Interesting. Yeah, that was a bit of a switch up. But I, I love sports so much that I was like, I'll give this a try. Okay. So all throughout college, I wanted to be a sports journalist. And then um, when it came time to trying to find a job uh, post-graduation uh, in 2016, it was, it was challenging. I was a finalist for a couple of high school sports jobs, but they didn't work out. But um, okay. the Jackson Sun job I eventually took was a news reporting position, and obviously it was a print paper. So I kind of just uh, wanted to take a chance on myself. I knew that, you know, if I got out there, um, got my foot in, that I could um, show what I was about. And um, luckily it worked out. But I, over that time, it wasn't just about the sports for me. It was just about meeting people, writing stories, and wanting to get better at your craft. So all those things were important to me, and that's kind of how I managed to stay, even, uh, I would say, during the tougher times.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, my story is not too dissimilar from Omer. Um, I was a big sports fan growing up, and when it came time to pick colleges, um, I was like, you know, I was watching Sports Center one day, and I was like, you know what, I can do it better than that guy. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go do this. And
0: I love the I, confidence. I went
1: to the University of Missouri, and uh, at first, I was going to be a broadcast journalist, and mm-hmm. then um, I saw myself on camera, and you know, thought that the competitive advantage might not be there, and. <laughs> so I uh, the
0: confidence I, suddenly dwindled exactly a
1: little. exactly um, reality set in right <laughs> uh, the hubris of youth and so from there I sort of you know I've always been a history guy and it sort of kind of wrapped my mind around the fact that particularly news reporting you get the opportunity to write the first draft of history and you get the opportunity to um, really chronicle things that people are going to look back on and whether or not Your work stands the test of time is one thing, but it is also just you're providing a service to people today, you know, information that they need now, but as well as information they need in the future. And so that's really kind of what stuck me with it of, you know, I'm going to get to be able to have a front row seat to a lot of things. And from then on, I, you know, just kind of got lucky and uh, have found employment in this field. And hopefully that continues as long as I want it to.
2: I have one uh, other thing to add. Yeah. So in this alternate universe, um, when I was picking, uh, when I, once I picked journalism as my major, I was like, I got to pick a school, right? Yeah. So I applied to three schools, um, and one of them was the University of Missouri. I got accepted there. I almost went there. So in this alternate universe, I leave Memphis, and who knows what happens. But um, I had a change of heart in the summer, mainly due to financial reasons. Well, so, yeah. I pick, I, so I ended up going to the University of Memphis, and, you know, I just... Um, I don't know where how things would have turned out otherwise. I mean, the University of Missouri is a great school, obviously, produces uh, great people like Sam. Yes. So, <laughs>
0: I love it. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of uh, a, an interview we did with S.O. Tolson. He almost got accepted to a different art school. And they passed on him, (laughs) and they he was like, yeah. So really, it's their loss that I ended up at Memphis College of Art, and I was like, but it's our gain. It's our gain that you came here, and now you're you know affecting culture the way you are. So Memphis is definitely better
1: for Homer.
0: Yes, so I I agree. I agree. Um, I think I felt backwards into journalism because I'm naturally curious. And I felt like it was an opportunity for me to not have to do something great. I could just write about people who were doing something great, <laughs> as silly as that sounds. like I didn't have to be the one changing and making history, to your point, but I could just like shine a spotlight on those people. And that was more interesting to me as like a continuous learner to try to continue. to. I didn't have to master anything. I could just learn about all these different things. So I continue to find myself always asking prying questions, even though I am outside of the field of journalism now. Does that make you a fun party guest or is, yeah. is everyone constantly like off the record?
1: Oh, uh, it's, it's kind of a combination of both. I mean, <laughs> to your curiosity, I, I think our jobs are never boring. Um, but I, I will admit, and if people that have heard me uh, tell them this white lie are listening, I apologize. But there are times where I do not advertise at parties that I'm a journalist because I uh, I try to avoid, you know, the commentary on the status of the news. Um, uh, often journalism then turns to national politics. And, you know, when I'm at a party, I really don't
0: want to be talking yeah, about national politics. So I uncomfy. have told people
1: that I'm a I'm a landscaper from time to time <laughs> because it's it's the uh, the field that I, you know, at least can fake it in for a few minutes. The so, path of least resistance. Yeah, and people I, and I, don't
0: have too many qualms about if you're a landscaper.
1: They, no one really wants to talk about it afterward, <laughs> you know. So I apologize to, to people who have now hearing this and are like, oh, that guy was a journalist the whole time.
0: Yeah, so now they're reviewing in their mind everything that they talk to you about. And if you used it in any piece (laughs) since.
2: sense. I am, uh, so no one who actually knows me will believe this, but I'm actually pretty shy and reserved um, if you don't, yeah, outside of my job and I guess the people in my life. So. Okay. So um, I'm, nor- but um, through journalism and obviously like through the curiosity, I'm like much better at like talking to people, I like, kind of just randomly now, not just when I'm working, but when I'm off of the clock. But like Sam says, like when I'm not working, I try not to like necessarily advertise that I'm a journalist. Cause Put that I, hat on. Yeah, because I mean, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of your time anyway, even when you're not working. So if you can always just find some time where you just like, you're just doing your, you're just, you know, having a good time and just being yourself kind of away from that grind just for a little bit you take advantage of it
0: absolutely hey educators are you pouring from an empty cup lately through New Memphis stride Memphis early career educators get time to fill their cups here's one of our five-star reviews the programming surrounding self-care gave me a foundational understanding of the habitual changes I can make you truly can't pour from an empty cup I feel that so much of our job asks what more we can do for students, but Stride gave me a space to grasp what more I can do for myself so that I can do more for my students. Feel like you could use a mental refresh? Apply for the next Stride cohort today. Visit newmemphis.org slash stride for more information. So one of the reasons that we invited y'all here is to talk about the wonderfully detailed coverage that y'all have provided on ford motor company coming to west tennessee so for those of y'all who don't know um they have a campus they're gonna have a campus called uh blue oval city yes okay so i'm assuming that my dear listeners here have not been following along with all of the news coverage of this and so we would like to express in layman's terms what is what is happening
2: so, in Brown, uh, in Stanton, excuse me, about maybe forty or fifty miles north of here, will be a forty-one hundred acre campus, of which thirty-six hundred acres will be a battery plant and an electric truck plant. There's going to be two plants. Okay. So Ford will run the electric truck plant. They'll be producing EVs over there okay and then there's a second company a south korean company called sk on they will be producing the ev batteries that will go along with the trucks okay they go in them yes okay so between (laughs) someone with very little automotive knowledge (laughs) right so um obviously um there might be a shift nationally in terms of electric vehicles this is going to kind of be one of those litmus tests to see where that goes
0: okay so why why was this location picked do we like why is west tennessee a desirable place for ford to go hey that's where we want to make our giant campus called blue oval city
1: yeah so um the ford site is uh the, what used to be known, I believe it's now called the West Tennessee Megasite, but it used to be called the Memphis Regional Megasite. Okay. And the Memphis Regional Megasite mega is essentially a large 4,100-acre um, um, piece of public land that the state of Tennessee, over the past probably decade and a half now, maybe just decade, has invested more than $100 million in, and with the entire plan being to lure an automotive factory.
0: Okay, so it, that's been the plan for the it, state. This, okay. Yes,
1: and the, so this is a site, essentially, which was built on spec and acquired on spec, to land a large employer in West Tennessee and essentially reconfigure the region economically. And for a long time, it looked like a big sunk cost. It looked like a big white elephant. You know, t- what you can do with tens of millions of state dollars is a lot of things. And if the money you put to work on this big regional mega site isn't doing anything, there's nothing there, it's looking pretty bad given the needs we have in Memphis, given the needs we have in the state of Tennessee. But however, the Tennessee Department of Economic Development, as well as the Tennessee Valley Authority and others, helped land this Ford plant. And so that's why Ford is here, is essentially there was a site available for them. Tennessee is a low-cost state. There is Mm -hmm. no income tax. Mm -hmm. It's a right-to-work state, though the site may be unionized depending on how it goes. Okay. And there is also plenty of water. And that's something that, in the 21st century, we should not discount. It sits right above the Memphis Sand Aquifer, the the expansion, which is really the Upper Claiborne Aquifer. And so there is a lot of water available there at the site as well.
0: So you're saying that that's a good thing, that a lot of water is available. Yes. So is there a negative to the Ford plant being there, like, is there going to be an impact to the aquifer because of that?
1: So that's what Protect Our Aquifer, our local nonprofit, um, who really has been become, you know, sort of the de facto steward of the aquifer, we would say, has uh, employed NASA uh, for a study that essentially looks at satellite images of rainfall and how it filters into the Earth. Wow. And because that part of West Tennessee, this this aquifer, if we think about it, we think about it as the Memphis sand because of the beer and because we're Memphis and we think about these things in those terms, but it really stretches over, really kind of around the Mississippi River mm-hmm. and stretches into seven states. And so right there in West Tennessee is a place where it recharges, where water filters down um, into, through the, you know, alluvial aquifer into the... Upper Clayborne Aquifer, which is where we get the water. And so this is like a hundred, thousand-year process. Yeah. And so that is a place. And so Protect Our Aquifer is concerned that, you know, if you really industrialize this area Mm -hmm. and you really change it and you put a bunch of concrete down, that water is not going to kind of sift through, essentially. And so there is a potential, but there's also, given, you know, the fact that the Ford plant isn't even out of the ground yet. We it's way too early to tell whether or not this is actually going to do things, but it is a very probably very valid concern, and that's why it's being studied.
2: So um, Ford recently um, they announced a partnership with the University of Tennessee um, at the Memphis Auto Show recently, and the reason that partnership is important it was sixteen and a half million dollars. Um, they are investing in um, the University of Tennessee's uh, Lone Oaks Farm in Middleton.
0: I did see that. Yeah. And the
2: reason they are doing that is because of the Clean Water Act. And um, because of their impact and what they're going to have there, they're required to invest in stream and... In um, wetlands.
0: So I was interpreting that as meaning that Ford was just being very proactive in helping the environment. Is it true then that they are just out of the kindness of their own hearts doing that, or are they mandated to they are, do they, that? They are, they are
2: mandated to do that. <laughs> okay. They were maybe more proactive than they had to be. They, that's what they would argue. Okay. But, but of course, um, at the end of the day, like they, they did have to make an investment of this uh, magnitude somewhere in West Tennessee, and they just chose the Lone Oaks farm in okay
0: general, so. okay good to know um so something that i'm curious about is do you believe or from your knowledge um in interviewing all the people at Ford, and um investigating there is that this like blue oval city this mega site will be used as a model in the future for any other ones or do you have any reason to believe that that's something that they want or that would be necessary or are we going to be kind of the hub for this for the foreseeable future
2: so when ford and um, sk on the other south korean company i had mentioned they announced um, multiple plants in kentucky and tennessee so they're investing about 11 billion dollars total in these two states so but the difference is is that in kentucky those both of those plants are battery plants. They're, but here in West Tennessee, they are also going to be producing electric trucks, electric vehicle trucks. Okay, so, so
0: they in Kentucky, they're only going to have the batteries, right? And here, we're going to actually be making the cars too.
2: Actually, making the cars and still having the batteries as well. Okay, so, so, so we're going to r- so be both. So we're going to okay. be both. So we're going to be yeah. So Ford is really kind of going all in here. Okay. So if this works out, you would imagine that this would not be the only one for very right. long, for very long, but production is supposed to start in 2025 and right. construction is supposed to start maybe later this summer they haven't really given us a specific date but that's where it's kind of trending toward they recently started um, land leveling work that's what i thought site. i'd
0: seen that, yeah that they've been like clearing it off trying to met, kind of make way so
2: you're gonna you're, you're already seeing people out there already kind of laying down the groundwork and really kind of getting into it as um, we head towards that um, big construction date
0: interesting so speaking of the construction alone um I know that Ford is promising a great many jobs um, for West Tennessee. So in your estimation, pros, cons, like what kind of workers will be needed and maybe what kind of trends? Well, I feel like I'm asking you 10 questions in one, so I apologize for that. But like, um, will there be like trends in like the next generation of workforce, like what they will need? like?
2: So Blue Oval City, um, Ford and On are promising to create about 5,800 new jobs just from the plants alone. Now we're not talking about suppliers or any of the other things that wow. could. So that number is probably a lot higher than 5,800. Okay. So the thing is that the um, state of Tennessee is like trying to figure out what cur- education curriculums they can do to better train the workforce. And part of um, Blue Oval City is the is that tcat the tennessee college of applied technology will have a campus on site what yes they will have it uh, they will have a site at blue oval city so they'll be able to train the next generation ideally if this all goes to plan wow of it's workers. like
0: a one-stop shop
2: <laughs> that's what they're banking on because they're one of the big concerns is the workforce for better or worse not uh, yeah. is finding enough workers here yeah and the con- one of the concerns might be that they might have to go to other states to find those workers so maybe so the benefits may not be as high for memphians and other parts of um, west tennessee as maybe we'd like so that's what they're gonna have to like try and uh, figure out in the coming years is to see how adequate the workforce is and how quickly they can um, train people to to master to be able to have the skills to produce batteries and be able to produce electric trucks because this is this is all fairly new here like we don't really necessarily have a prototype to look at locally here
0: is it in your estimation, is it, like a da- is it dangerous work? Is that a dumb question, too, to ask? I mean, I feel like there would be – I mean, is it factory work? Is it, that a dumb question? It, to I know? would
1: say it's probably – and I don't have familiarity with, like, wh- what the assembly line looks like right. or anything. But I think in terms of what economists tell you today, what site selectors tell you today, and what, what executives tell you today is that manufacturing of today is largely automated. There are going to be a lot of machines putting this stuff together, and the people kind of working on the assembly line are going to be highly trained in one really specific aspect of the assembly. And so while any work with heavy machinery has the potential for for danger, right, so not to discount that, but this is not the smolten factory where you come home layered with coal dust, et yeah. cetera, of you know, the nineteen fifties and the okay. industrial era. This is a this is a different sort of situation I would I guess
0: say. I just didn't know too because aren't again, very, 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 very little automotive knowledge here, even though I did once work at AutoZone, so I do apologize to our lovely funders over at AutoZone. But aren't batteries like explosive on <laughs> this
2: I think, like Sam said, um, the combustible. like combustible. There, there are there are all these things that um, you know. I will definitely um, do more reporting about in, yeah. in the future, as far as like learning more about this. But it is more modern, and that does come okay. with more questions. Like like Sam said, this isn't like I guess the old days where you know there, yeah. you had the stereotypical like factory. Like this yeah. is going to be much more modern, and that means that there's a lot more work that needs to go in to be able to prepare. For, for the be, training for which
0: the makes training. sense for the school right. then. Okay. And in
1: terms of the batteries, you know, there is and there have been environmental concerns, I think, nationwide in terms of, you know, what is the impact of producing what which are really lithium ion yeah. batteries essentially. There's an environmental impact to that. And so, you know, the, the people who are say detractors of the clean energy revolution and the sort of, you know, transition that is being attempted away from, you know, the you know, essentially gas combustion engine here um is you know that lithium has its own impacts and that this you know manufacturing is not just like every other manufacturing is is not clean you're you know you're superheating metal, you're fusing it together, you're doing all these things and so you know we'll see you know what the environmental impacts are and' we'll, you know obviously you know they're just environmental regulations they have to follow and yeah. so that will be probably an enduring story once this um, plant, You know is up in the ground is just what is the impact you know we talked about the water and we talked about you know the the safety of the workers as well
0: absolutely your future is waiting did you know that some of the largest companies in the nation and in the world are located right here in Memphis learn what opportunities are available and how to get your foot in the door through new Memphis launch Launch connects college students to the networks and professional opportunities available right here in Memphis. And the best part? It's all free. That's right, free. Let New Memphis help you get connected and land your dream job. Visit newmemphislaunch.org today. Um, something that Ford has come out and said on their site was that the new Tennessee assembly plant is designed to be carbon neutral with zero waste to landfill once fully operational which is unique to me Um, I feel like all of those words are a lot to me but I feel like that in my mind says that it's pro that it's good for the environment do you tend to agree with Ford's assumption there
2: I think that's what they would definitely want this to (laughs) to be for sure but it um it's it's kind of hard to say until they actually have this um plans up and running okay so So right
0: now we're just kind of working on their word and like what we hope it will be until like 2025 when it's up and operational right
2: right that's that's kind of when i think we'll have our answer i mean i'm sure that there will be studies and right things that come out in between now and then but until the plant's actually up and running, it's kind of hard to say to the, forecast the, what it's gonna <laughs> what it'll right be.
1: and and zero waste to landfills is would be uh, really remarkable at the same time when you say carbon neutral a lot of um large companies today you know say that they are carbon neutral and what they're really doing is they're purchasing carbon offsets and we don't know really need to go into like the <laughs> the weeds of all of that, <laughs> etc. but like, what does that really mean is
0: it just like when people like food companies slap organic on a thing or like
1: it's it's more of you're doing something either you know planting trees i think is like an easy one to for people to wrap their minds around but essentially you're taking carbon you're putting carbon dioxide through your operations into the atmosphere and so in some way you're taking it out of the atmosphere is what a carbon offset is is you're paying someone to Presumably to, do something. <laughs> presumably to take this out of the atmosphere and okay. so you know that whole sort of part of corporate stewardship which has been a really popular i wouldn't say branding thing but um, marketing mm-hmm. t- ploy of large corporations in the united states and worldwide to be fair um you know is sort of you know you want to not always take it at face value and you want to be skeptical of it and at the same time i i would not to sort of impugn Ford here but they definitely probably have an incentive or businesses given the changes in our environment probably have an incentive to be better environmental stewards than they were yesterday presumably
0: that makes sense yeah so why should the average Memphian care like why is this important to the average Memphian
2: I think to answer that in one word is jobs. I mean, that's... Okay. That's... I mean, the reason that um, there was so much anticipation for someone to call the mega site home was because they knew that the potential of having all of these potential jobs and rejuvenating an area that's seen so much population loss in the last couple of decades. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what they... Like a lot of um, local leaders, elected officials have been making on us for this megasite to kind of turn the tide, not just in... The memphis area but in a lot of the rural all of west tennessee so that's the thing it's like and we don't know how much they'll be paying the workers that's kind of one of the things that we kind of really you know would want to know ideally before they open but from what we've heard so far from what the tennessee economic uh, community development people have been saying that these are going to be higher wage jobs so if that is the case then that'll probably be more money than a lot of these people are currently making now yeah so with that opportunity, it, it could potentially change lives, right? If it's the right amount of money, and it could um, transform the region. So, I think that's why Mthethwa um, should care about it. It's another opportunity to get a probably a, a nice, decent-paying job that's not terribly far away from them. It, yeah. I mean, it is a little bit of a commute. A little bit of a commute. Yeah, <laughs> and th- and there are challenges that have, have come w- that come with that. Mm-hmm. And there are people like um, there's Mada has um brought up the idea of light rail. Now, that would cost potentially billions of uh, dollars to probably implement, but that that's, that's that's one potential solution. So there's a lot of things that are going on to try and, you know, connect Memphis to Blue Oval City. But the number one thing for me is, is the jobs and the opportunity that it can bring.
1: Right. And to build off what Omer said here, um I think that one way to look at this, and one way to look at the economics of this is if you're not going to be applying for a job there, if you're not looking for employment there at a supplier or at the factory, is this is something, while it's 45, 50 miles away from Memphis, is something that is bringing wealth from outside of the region into the region. right? Okay. The money that is you know, essentially paying for these electric vehicles is coming from all over the country, all over the United States, and if you look at the Memphis economy, the big drivers of the economy that bring in wealth from the outside that aren't sort of recycling the dollars that are already here are FedEx, St. Jude, AutoZone, shout out AutoZone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is this is sort of as economic development officials and even, you know, city officials here locally look at it as this is sort of another tent pole for the regional economy. It's another thing that gives Memphis a hold in the 20, sort of the 21st century. And that, you know, with those jobs come all the ancillary jobs and comes all that wealth and all that spending. And, you know, you have the Memphis Grizzlies in downtown Memphis. You have all the amenities here. So even if people are living in Stanton or they're living in Brownsville or other parts of Haywood County or Fayette County, they're going to come to Memphis, Tennessee for the amenities. And so it's another thing that is going to bring wealth and revenue to to Memphis.
0: I think it's really interesting, too, just because the scope of what this mega site means is as y'all talked about it's transportation it's jobs it's the housing market it touches education it touches literally every aspect of what an average memphian would need to worry about in their day-to-day and so it's interesting to me that even if like you said if you're not looking for a job there or even if you are that it's going to affect all of the other trends that you're watching (laughs) whether it be from like like i said like schools housing market economy, transportation, all of it together.
2: I mean, transformational is like a buzzword that people like love to use. But this is actually one of those few times where it genuinely will change everything for better or for worse. Potentially, we'll see how it goes.
0: It's inter- like It's them. just it's the scale of it is so huge. Like the what the tentacles are very far reaching everything that it will touch. So again, to your point, that's either going to be a really great thing or it could be a really interesting thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> another another opportunity, like we said at the beginning. <laughs> um okay so let's see here y'all have been you specifically omer have been covering ford's um blue oval city like since the inception pretty much so what in your opinion makes y'all's y'all being the commercial appeal also y'all's reporting unique from some of the other people who are kind of latching onto this story
2: so i'm going to connect this to how i ended up at the ca okay so
0: i love story time
2: uh, yes so this is story time so when i worked at the jackson sun obviously the mega site was a huge deal in mm-hmm. that area because it's pretty much on the opposite side like memphis to blue oval city jackson blue Oval city kind right of there right yeah right there so i covered it and um they had gotten they had, the big thing that happened while i was there is toyota mazda was considering nearby areas and the mega site was a finalist and they got rejected and they ended up going to huntsville alabama okay so there was a lot of disappointment at that time. There was a lot of like, okay, are we ever going to get the ten- big fish? The big <laughs> yeah. fish here. So I was very familiar with the ins and outs of how that went. So fast forward to fall 2021, and right after um, the Ford announcement, you know, I get a call from uh, Mark Russell. Hopefully, I'm not <laughs> saying anything that he no. would to the
1: say. great
0: executive editor the, of the yes. Commercial Appeal, the one and only. Yes,
2: who I've known for seven years now. Intern at the Commercial Appeal in uh, 20 oh, f- 2015. So we go we go a ways back. And he had mentioned that um, they want someone to cover um, Ford's Blue Oval City, pro- and they knew that I had that context and knowledge from my time in Jackson. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I ended up back at the Commercial Appeal. Mm-hmm. Was um, Blue Oval City brought me back in a way? So, I
0: love it. So uh, West Tennessee got our big fish, and so did the Commercial Appeal. They got you back to come cover it. <laughs> yes yes yes
2: (laughs) that's i think that's how it worked out more or less i hope i um forgot what the initial question was i'm sorry was
0: how is the commercial appeal and your reporting on this different than anybody else that's are unique
2: so yes so the fact that they were willing to bring me into the fold they knew what i knew about the project i like to think because i have the backstories, i know i reported in those areas i reported in brownsville and stanton and jackson I know how those communities felt at the time, and I know how they feel now. And mm-hmm. obviously there's the Memphis component now too. So I just think um, having that knowledge and knowing that they are committed to t- fully telling the story of this project, I think makes it such a strong partnership.
0: Um, what would you like Memphians to know about Ford Motor Company generally?
2: I, th- I think Ford is, um, I think what makes this project so unique is everyone kind of knows generally like Ford, like. All-American. It's all-American. It's (laughs) It's your typical big American company. Everyone knows someone who drives a Ford. But the thing that I think people need to know about Ford is that they are really going all-in with electric vehicles. Like, this is the start of a huge shift for them. And they've recently um, split – not split, but as far as business units, they they now have an electric vehicle unit. So this is where Blue Oval City will kind of be one of the first big tests for that new – era for that Ford is entering in now so i think people need to kind of understand that it's not just ford um but there are other like automotive companies that are really kind of like diving in they're really trying to get ahead of the curve here and um it could result if this all works out into us driving very different cars in the not too distant future if ford and other companies like tesla of course have it their way we could all be driving um Electric vehicles in the not-too-distant future so
0: so this is your front row seat to history right here Sam right <laughs> and
1: and to that end right is one thing I think people should think about this project and not just forward but in general is that these massive companies that are publicly traded when they put billions of investment into a thing they are essentially putting billions of dollars of capital at risk and so they don't do that lightly this isn't a sort of fly by night situation of once this thing starts coming out of the ground, it's probably going to happen. It's like, you know, pretty certain. And so there are, you know, and that is a sign to Omer's point about like the very different cars we're going to drive is now that this capital is being invested by the private sector, that is sort of going to speed up maybe the feedback loop as to how we adopt electric vehicles and how we sort of go away from a very hydrocarbon run world. There's still going to be a need for oil and natural gas to power us and electrify us, but it is gonna be diminishing. And I think that is just in general um, a very interesting kind of pivot point since we've been really relying on oil and petroleum since sometime post 1900. And yeah. we've pumped a lot of it out of the ground and a lot of into the sky.
2: And another thing about large investments, right? Ford is, in, Ford is investing 5.6 billion, right? So the Tennessee state legislature right after um they announced this project they gave him i think around 800 to 900 million dollars in incentives right so this is so this is a full-on partnership this is a lot of capital being invested by all parties here to try and make this work so um, this is no longer just uh if if this is going to happen type of deal this is is. everyone everyone's involved here everyone's going all in here
0: okay and so to your point, even though it is kind of like a test for them in this new chapter, it's a test that has been well vetted and they wouldn't make lightly.
2: No, this is not, <laughs> this is not like um, a $15 million like, investment that if it doesn't work out for Ford, like, it's not the end of the world. Like, if this, is, this is a company defining investment for them.
0: Ooh, I like that. Um, okay, so what would you challenge Ford Motor Company to be more transparent about? what do you think that they haven't been super transparent about right now that you would challenge them to kind of be forthright
2: i would um i would like to know more i would say about the breakdown of the money that's coming in i think that's the thing it's a 5.6 billion dollar project and we're still um still trying to learn more about how you get to that huge number like how that kind of came to be yeah We need a
0: a line item here, please, Ford, if you're listening.
2: So I think that would kind of be my number one thing right now.
0: Okay. Find your happy with New Memphis Embark. Work-life balance. Do we know it? As young professionals, finding our happy place in Memphis as a person and as a professional in our careers can be overwhelming. That's where New Memphis comes in. Through the New Memphis Embark program, you'll get acquainted with the city we call home. Learn to maintain love and enthusiasm for your career and elevate your skills, even while on the clock. Let New Memphis reinvigorate and amplify your love of living and working in Memphis. Find your happy with New Memphis and apply for Embark today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. So now it is time for arguably my favorite part of every episode. It is our lightning round. Is there a buzzer? (laughs) No. No. That was perfect. There is not a buzzer. Um, So what it is is just the first thing that pops into your head. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and this is going to be, like, stream of conscious answer. Just this could be damning. As quick as quick as it can be. I mean, I, I, we're not trying to trap anybody here, th- and this is all on the record. We are recording. Hot mic. Hot mic. Okay? I've got to so, be real careful here. net was <laughs> So, first question. Would you rather write a story over a period of a year or over 24 hours? Omer, go.
2: Over 24 hours.
0: Sam?
1: 24 hours.
0: So you'd rather just buckle down and write a story you don't want to invest you don't want to do it over a year i
1: I want to i I would love to invest a bunch of time into a project however um given my propensity for procrastination (laughs) i don't think the yield on that time would be as high as my employer would want it to be
0: i like it Okay. i feel
1: like it would take me two years if you gave me one year
0: okay okay
1: the 24 hours like i kind of
2: one of the things I, I like the pressure sometimes of like I feel like that's what, the drama
0: of being a journalist right, too I, I feel like if you yeah
2: especially when it's like a big story like you know that's kind of like uh, those, those are like the moments you kind of live for d-
1: deadline pressure <laughs> that'll get me pumped up
0: it's a real thing okay so what is the favorite your favorite piece that you've ever written for the commercial appeal
1: sure uh, it's a story that I wrote in uh, early 2020 um, that looked at payday lenders and their sort of partnership um, with Memphis Light Gas and Water in the sense that um, you could pay your bill at a payday lender throughout the city. And uh, MLG&W had collected millions of dollars in payments through um, payday lenders, through Ace Cash Express specifically. There are 30-plus stores in the area. And after we wrote that story, um, after some urging from the Memphis City Council, MLG&W uh, got rid of that practice. And Interesting. So that, yeah, that would be would be mine
0: okay omer
1: so i've only been um at the ca
2: for about six months so that's all right my list is not as high uh not as long but um i would say um early on i was able to do a a story on haywood county which is where blue oval city will be and just kind of how it's going to change forever that's kind of the premise of the story and um Through that, you kind of learn that there's all this excitement, right? Because they've waited like a decade and a half for this project to finally, for someone to finally call the Megaside home to finally get that big win, right? Yeah. But there's also the challenge of having to prepare for all of that now. Yeah because there's so much development that's going to happen in the coming years and this small-town way of life that they've appreciated for so long. Even though that population has been declining, right, that's kind of one of the things they wanted. to... Tr- like, a lot of the people who live there, like, they love their way of living, and they know it's never going to be the same again. It's very bittersweet. So it is a bittersweet moment for them, and they're just trying to... And, like, the story kind of just talks about how they're navigating through all of that and what plans and procedures they want to have in place so that they're planning well and when this... Blue Oval city project comes to light that they're ready for it and that they can enjoy it and all the benefits of it and not kind of have that what if that we blew our yeah. big chance because you only get one chance to prepare for a 5.6 billion yeah. project right oh
0: geez it's yeah no pressure
2: so <laughs> to be able to um, do that story and especially because you know especially to me because when I was in jackson I knew um the challenges that came with mm-hmm. that so to kind of be able to come full circle go to the commercial appeal and be able to Right, that is it It kind of connects my f- my first job in this business to what I'm doing now so to kind of it's like it's full circle in so many different ways being back at the commercial appeal but that's kind of one of the really the special ones yeah ones.
0: makes you smile for so. sure okay so Sam I asked Omer this before you got here um and he he insisted that I needed to ask you so would you rather <laughs> Conceal your source, so keep it concealed. Go to prison, but win a Pulitzer Prize. Or reveal your source, avoid prison, but lose out on the Pulitzer Prize.
1: So the the consideration for the Pulitzer Prize is sort of like I think immaterial to the question. I think the like essential thing is I think when we take you know I don't we don't take a vow we don't put our hand on a Bible when we come to journalism right, but we do have a code of ethics and. If someone trusts you with information that is confidential and could put them at risk, um, I think that you're sort of required not to reveal that information. And so hopefully it's a low-security prison. Um, (laughs) Hopefully they have, like, board games (laughs) and I have access to newspapers and information every day. But I'll be hanging out. All right. And so, yeah.
0: Do you want to know Omer's answer? I do. Omer?
2: I also agree with you.
0: Yeah, okay. he said. So. He said much to his family's dismay, he would he would be going to prison.
1: Yeah, I think I think <laughs> I think we'll be hanging out together. We'll probably make. be cellmates. Yeah. yeah so
0: the oath, so. so the oath of the journalist, the vow is is strong with these ones. So the commercial appeal has a good one, has some good ones. I love it. Okay, so we're switching gears a little bit in our lightning round. What is your favorite thing to do downtown?
1: Downtown. Um. Before they really curtailed it, I loved scootering around beyond Grizzlies games. So. I would, go, I would go getting uh, ice cream at Margie's 901. Okay. Love me some of their ice cream.
2: Okay. I would probably say go to FedEx form, whether it's um, a Grizzlies or a Tigers game. That's probably my favorite thing to do. But when it's not basketball season, definitely getting food somewhere downtown.
0: Okay. Well, that leads me right into my next lightning round. Best bite in Memphis. One bite. You say the restaurant and your order. Hmm. I know it's difficult. Want to go first? Stream of conscious, quick, lightning round. Okay,
1: cozy corner, hot beef sandwich.
0: All right, Omer.
2: I'm gonna go with mossy elves, and I'm gonna go with a chicken quesadilla. All right,
0: I like it. I like it. I like it. Okay, and then what my lovely co-host Christy, who is unable to be with us today, what she likes to end every podcast with is, what does it? What does being a Memphian mean to you in one word? Hope. Okay. Gratitude. I like it, guys. What a lovely way to start my morning. What a wonderful, okay, so what else, um, how can everybody follow along with each of you and all the stories that y'all are doing? Obviously, the Commercial Appeals, where you can find their pieces, but is there any social channels, Any anything else?
2: Um, you can follow me on Twitter at um, Omer A. Yusuf, O-M-E-R-A Yusuf, Y-U-S-U-F.
0: Okay.
1: You can follow me on Twitter at, at Sam Hardiman, S-A-M-H-A-R-D-I-M-A-N.
0: All right. And then it's a good day at the CA because you can go over and to the Commercial Appeal and find all their write-ups on Blue Oval City and much, much, much more. You
2: can also read Sam City Hall coverage as well, too, while you're there. After you read all the
1: Blue Oval City coverage.
0: After you read all the rest. After you read all the other articles. Please come
1: to our website. It's a great place. Yes.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you all so much for stopping by and for helping me at least understand. I feel like I know more about what this means for Memphis and the broad scope as well as the details of it, which is exciting. And I can now say that I know more about it to be able to go to a networking event and possibly make AutoZone more proud of me than I was at at, (laughs) at the beginning of this podcast with my automotive knowledge.
1: We have no business relationship with AutoZone. We're just enjoying seeing shout-out AutoZone. Yeah,
0: it is fun. But once an AutoZoner, always an AutoZoner. I will say that. And don't make me do the cheer and the pledge for you right now because I will. But maybe that can be off the record. Okay. All right. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Bye.
1: Thank you so much for having us. Thank you.
0: What a fantastic episode. I always love chatting with other journalists. I think it's really interesting to hear – Um, about the Code of Ethics. I think it's really interesting to hear about what sparked their passion for journalism and their curiosity and what keeps them going in a field that is arguably um, very challenging, particularly in this modern age. So I think it's really exciting to get to talk to Sam and Omer about what all of that entails. And we're just really proud of all the people over at the Commercial Appeal for their outstanding reporting. And it's always good to take a deep dive into that. So I hope that you have gained a lot more knowledge than you had about Blue Oval City um, before the beginning of this episode. I know I have. Um, and if not, please feel free to go over to the Commercial Appeal site and learn more from Omer and Sam's very detailed write-ups. And as they continue to move forward and into 2025 when everything becomes a reality and the follow along with the ongoing story there. So a few um, end-of-show announcements, as always. um, We have a few very special events to tell you about. The first one coming up is celebrate what's right, the great abate. Solving every problem isn't always as simple as A plus B equals C. More often than not, the formula is complex, requiring detailed calculations and unknown variables before you arrive at the result. But our city's youth don't have time to wait for a solution to the day-to-day challenges of living in poverty. And their worth is so much more than the sum of their circumstances. So join New Memphis as we listen to a panel of leading experts moderated by Dr. Kenneth Robinson of United Way of the Mid-South for The Great Abate, a conversation focused on understanding and reducing youth poverty in Memphis. You'll learn about the root causes that contribute to youth poverty the creative ways that Memphians are banding together to fill the gaps, and how you have the responsibility and opportunity to step in and step up to be the answer for our city's future. So this CWR will be um, at the end of June. So head over to newmemphis.org events to learn more about the panelist, the moderator, and to register to attend this wonderful event, which will be a luncheon held at the Hilton Memphis which we are very, very excited about. As always, thank you so much for our, to our generous sponsors for making Celebrate What's Right possible. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee and the First Horizon Foundation. We could not do it without you. Um, we are currently recruiting early educators for our Stride cohort. This means that if you are or know of a first, second, or third year educator right here in Memphis, we'd love to get them connected, showcase Memphis, and give them professional development that they can actually use. Shh. So head over to newmemphis.org slash Stride for more information about what that looks like. Um, and another thing that we're really excited about is we are right about to gear up for... Summer experience. So if you know a college student who is here for the summer, we have our annual series of free events called Summer Experience, where collegians can mix, mingle, celebrate our great city of Memphis. The goal of Summer Experience is to showcase all of the wonderful career opportunities, um, plus the spaces and places of our city. We have so much to offer here, and we would love to help retain this next generation of great talent right here to the 901. So you can find out more information at NewMemphis.org about our summer experience for college students as well. So that is a lot of recruitment and a lot of events we have coming up, which is a very, very time, a a very busy time of year for us. Excuse me. I need a little bit more coffee this morning. Um, But as always, if you like what you hear, um, enjoy our events or have participated in a leadership development program, we implore you to give back to New Memphis. Uh, we are a local nonprofit, and our work is not possible without the generous donations of our funders, donors, and partners. So you can follow along um, on Instagram at the New Memphis. There is a handy-dandy donate button right up there, or you can head over again to newmemphis.org slash donate. And we make it really, really easy right there. Um, We encourage you to give with your heart for all the things that you love about this wonderful city. Uh, If you enjoy using them or partaking in them, please consider donating to any of them, including us right here at New Memphis and on WYXR. Um, That also goes for our lovely friends over at the Commercial Appeal who have um, continued to do amazing work in journalism and reporting. So I think that that about does it for today, Memphis, I am excited to go out and continue reading up and learning more about Ford and about the Blue Oval City and what all of its impacts can possibly mean for our city and surrounding areas. And until next week, uh, keep on celebrating your city. Bye. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.